teaches, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for giving us this opportunity of reading your word. We ask you for wisdom, knowledge, understanding, but above all, Father, dear God, that you will fulfill yourself in us in Jesus' name. Amen. You could be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Failure to repent will lead to destruction. Today, we're going to be talking about repair. Amen. There are four things that we have been talking about these last couple of weeks in order to get you to understand what true repentance is all about. And we want to go based on the Bible, not based on theory, not based on man's philosophy, but based on the Bible. Amen. So everything that we are speaking is backed up 100% by the Bible and it's approved by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So there are four things that we need to keep in mind if we truly want to repent and we, and, and if we truly want to become the people that God has called us to be. Number one, you need to recognize. Number two, you need to regret. Number three, you need to resolve. And number four, you need to repair. Amen. Each and every one of us have been called by God. Don't you forget that. God is faithful to do his part. But you have to be willing to do yours. Many of us are running from our calling. Many of us are renouncing our calling. But as long as you live on this earth, God will forever chase you with that word until that word is fulfilled. Amen, church? So my recommendation to you is to acknowledge where you have failed God, ask God for forgiveness, and turn around for your own good. Amen? Because sooner or later, you will reap what you sow. That is a law. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I know many of you are not used to hearing it that way, but I'm going to give it to you in modern day terms. What comes around, goes around. Are you hearing me, church? What comes around, goes around. So you could have a pity party. You could have all the justification and excuse to continue in your lack. But God is saying, I am giving you time. For you to turn it around for the better. Amen. And today we're going to be speaking about how to repair ourselves after we have fallen. How to repair. How to come back up. How to make a comeback. Amen. In the midst of our failures. Amen. One of the things that I want to remind you today is for you to consider your ways. If you want to repair anything. If you want to save anything, if you want to be, if you as an individual want to recover from a loss, you have to learn that you need to consider your ways. What are your ways? The way you do things. Are you hearing me, church? The way you do things. Consider that. If you think that overnight you're going to overcome something, you're lying to yourself. You need some self-effort. Self-effort, meaning you yourself as an individual have to do your part. Stop relying on others. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And become independent in this recovery process. Amen. Along the way, God's going to send people to help us and, and, and people to give us a hand. But we also have to understand that we are responsible and accountable for our actions. So we must take the bull by the horns. 
It first begins with you. It first begins with me. If I want to see any change, if I want to be able to conquer, if I want to accomplish more in life, I have to learn how to be responsible and accountable. Amen? So in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, the Apostle Paul reminds the church in Galatia the importance of helping people when they have fallen. And the Apostle Paul makes it clear. He says, help your brother and your sister. But also be reminded that you yourself do not fall into any temptation. So in other words, in the process of helping someone, remind yourself as they're being restored that you are responsible that you don't fall into that same trap. The problem is that we're good at giving advice. But it's hard for us to follow our own advice. Isn't it funny how people can tell you where you need to improve and why they're telling you that? (laughs) They have the nerves to do the opposite. And then they have the nerves to check you. To throw it in your face. But let me remind you, the, the God doesn't work that way. God is a God of order. I know that for some of you, it's funny to come to a church like this and, and find yourself being confronted. That is the true church. If you want to be entertained, I have a list of churches that I could recommend for you. They will give you goosebumps. You will feel better. But by Monday morning, you're going to be cussing. You come here by Monday morning, you're going to be repenting. Because one of the things that I can guarantee you about this ministry is that my voice the voice that God has given me is like a trumpet. It haunts you. How, how many of you have found yourself in a predicament and all of a sudden the voice of Pastor Jose just crept in? You shouldn't be doing that. And you looked around and said, where is he? Where is he? Or you heard the voice of, of, of prophetess Pastor Melly. Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Where is she? It's a figure of my imagination. No, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And when a pastor, an apostle, a teacher, an evangelist, a prophet is connected to that source, that source will follow the sheep, even though the sheep could be wondering and not knowing that in the midst of their wondering, God is faithful to keep his word and remind them of what not to do. Amen. God is so good. So here the apostle Paul says, brethren, if you, if a, If a man is overtaken by a trespassing, you that are spiritual, restore him in in, in a gentle way. Consider yourself less not to be tempted. I'm going to read it in the NIV version. It says, brothers and sisters, if, if any one of you is caught in sin, who you live by, who lives by the spirit will be restored, will restore that person gently. But be watchful that you yourself should not be tempted. Now understand this. The Apostle Paul is trying to tell the church of of Galatia at the time and telling us as well through the writings is that when someone is being restored, someone's being uh, repaired in areas that they have fallen or have compromised, that that's going to take a process for them to be fully healed. And we have to... Keep this in mind that we have to be gentle. We have to be patient with them. Many of us are quick to throw in the towel and give up on our marriage, 
quick to give up on our ministry, quick to give up on the assignment that God has given us, quick to give up on people that God has put along our way for us to help them, for them to get to restore. And we forget that at one point or another in our lives, we were going through the same situation. How did you feel when someone was helping you through your struggles? And why is it that we easily give up on others? We give up on others because we lose sight. We lose sight of what? Of the vision that God has given each and every one of us. And when you lose sight of a vision, it is easy for you to give up on somebody and then you become divided. Without vision, you bring in division. And now you begin to complain about your brother and sister instead of praying for your brother and sister. And instead of saying, God, have your way, work with them accordingly. The way you work with me is different the way that you're going to work with them. But some way, somehow have your way, God, in the midst of this. So the Apostle Paul is reminding the believers never to forget that. Amen. Who you are today, call someone something. Amen. Let me remind you, there are some people that are not alive today, but at one point or another, they prayed for you. They stood in the bridge in the gap and they said, God, give them more time. God, continue to restore them in the process. God, forgive them in the midst of their ignorance. So now that we are safe and sanctified, we as leaders, we as people of God need to keep this in mind. That God is going to work with people accordingly, but it doesn't give us the right to judge them or condemn them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is so good. Give him a round of applause. In other words, put yourself in their shoes. It is easy to criticize someone when they're down and out. It it is easy to throw in the towel. But have you ever considered that person you're giving up on? Have you ever considered the, the challenges that they face? The struggles that they're dealing with, the battles, the demons, and everything else. Now, I I know that this might sound a little bit controversial because you say, well, pastor, how much can I bear? You're going to bear as long as the Holy Spirit is leading you. Because if it's the Holy Spirit leading you, then there's a purpose. And if there's a purpose in due season, we will know the reason for that for that uh, 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 season in our lives, amen, that we were going through that. So we must keep that in mind, that when you're praying for someone, when you're uh, helping someone along the way, even though it might be annoying, even though it might get you uh, frustrated, even though you might find yourself losing character, that you as an individual need to keep this in mind. Put yourself in the shoes of that person, amen? Be accountable for that. Also, keep in mind that while you're helping them, you're also liable. Never lead someone to a place that you have never been to. Can we stop doing that? Can we stop doing that? Like, I hear people all the time, you know, this person needs to stop smoking. And while they're saying that, they're smoking. This person needs to stop drinking. And I see them coming out of the liquor store as I'm driving by. ¿Qué pasó aquí? If you think you're complete and you're perfect, let me tell you something. You are deceiving nobody but yourself. 
you foolish in your own ways. I can't stand when people believe and think that, talk that, and walk that. When in all reality, we know that in some area in their life, they're struggling. Why they're struggling in that area, it is a reminder to us that we are not to judge, but that we are to pray as well, that we don't fall into temptation or give ourselves into temptation. Just because your brother and sister is down doesn't mean that that might not be the case for you because right around the corner, the enemy is lurking and waiting for its next victim and you're the first runner up. So always keep in mind that you must have a humble heart and a burning heart, desire and passion for the will of God, regardless of what you're seeing or what you're going through. Keep this in mind as well. Looks could be deceiving. Just because you feel like it's the end of the world, it is not the end of the world. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a moment in our lives that at times we make it a lifestyle. The Bible says there, there's seasons for everything. And in every season, let God be glorified. In every season, let you be that light. That even though you might be walking through the valley of death, it doesn't mean you're going to walk through the valley of death all your life. At one point or another, you're going to walk through streets of gold. You're going to endure in some things. You're going to see some things. Amen. You live long enough and you'll see that come to pass. Amen. But just because you're down and out or your brother's down and out doesn't mean that you as an individual should justify yourself and keep yourself in that state of mind. In verse 2, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, he says, Bear with one another burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is this, the love of one another as he loved us. And that's according to John chapter 13, verse 34. The greatest test that I have gone through in life is helping someone in the midst of their struggle while God is also repairing me in areas that I wasn't aware that I needed to be repairing. I have learned that as I walk in this life, helping others through their struggles, helping others through their burdens, through whatever they're going through, that in the midst of that, God is working in me. When I lose sight of that, I forget that God in the midst of my ignorance, is allowing me to think something when in all reality, what I'm thinking, it's not what he's thinking, but he's keeping me. Does that make any sense? That in the midst of your ignorance, God keeps you, even though you're in ignorance. But God's ultimate goal is for, to get you out of the ignorance by bringing you into the light. And sometimes I find myself that when I'm helping someone while they're struggling with something, I begin to reminisce on those times that I used to struggle in those areas that that person was struggling through. And I begin to give God glory in the midst of that because I, I remind myself, wow, I remember when I was just like them and I was struggling and I was going through that. I could only imagine how the person who was leading me felt at that point in, in, in time. And here I am repaying the favor and I'm complaining? 
not knowing that at one point in my life, I was in their shoes. The problem is that every time that we are elevated by the favor of God to a new level of dimension, we think we're better than others. And Jesus says that the greater in the kingdom of God is that one that thinks less of himself. The less you think of you, the more God can do with you. The more you think of you, the less God can do with you. You see, we think we got church figured out. We think because we arrive early, because we serve, because we speak in tongues, because God uses us from time to time, we believe and think that we have it all together, when in reality we don't. Because all it takes is one interruption in your daily routine and the real you shows up. For example, they, they, they forgot to give you the fries after you paid for the order and took off and you're in the highway and, and you were so negligent, you didn't look in the back. Now you're cussing the person instead of realizing that it was your responsibility to check the order before you took off. Because that person who served you the order is as human as you. And they make mistakes like you. And they forget things like they forgot your fries just like you forget things. Amen? How many times you forgot your dog and your dog didn't held it against you? He was still there waiting for you, wagging the tail. Now, if that dog was a human being, that dog would have cussed you out. Say, how dare you leave me all of these hours? You didn't even put water in my bowl. You didn't even put food in my bowl. And here I am and you took off. And no, they're, they're waiting for you in the door and they're so happy. And some of them are so obedient that they will hold. You know what? Because they don't want to hear your mouth when you get home. But you neglected them and forgot about them. Has God neglected you and forgot about you? Then why is it that the more we come to church, as the years go by, we become miserable instead of fruitful? Think about that. Because at one point or another, we forgot that the work is not done. God is working with us every single day. God is repairing us every single day. Every single day, God is chiseling us in areas that we are not aware that He is. Amen? You'd be surprised how people that once hung out with you could see the changes, but you don't see the changes. They know there's something different about you, but you forget that. And you begin to give in to the things that are not of God. And now church becomes a burden. Being a Christian is boring. Why serve God? Let me tell you this. There are many of you that are not yet tapping into God's blessings because you have ignored what He has done for you. If I start thinking about all the things that God has done for me, and I don't give him thanks. I'm one selfish human being. Because he deserves all the honor and all the glory. So the Apostle Paul is, is, is guiding the church and getting the church to an understanding that as you're helping others, as, as you're being a, a asset to them, as you're being a, 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 a substitute of a help to them, God is also dealing with you too. Let us not forget that. 
Every day God is working with me. Every single day. Every single day. Every single day. Amen? The Apostle Paul, in other words, is trying to get the church to understand that while God is restoring, God is preparing, but God is also doing. Every season in our lives, God is up to something new. And if we get caught up with being complacent, we will miss out on it. Today is your day of victory. Today is the day that you could overcome all of those things that you've been struggling all your life with. All it takes is a moment in life for you to pause and stop and realize that God is giving you the opportunity to confess all of these things so you can get them out your system and he can place in your system what he designed for your system. Are you hearing me, church? Amen. Verse 3, the Apostle Paul then says to the church, But if anyone thinks of themselves to be something, when they are nothing, they are deceiving themselves. One of the biggest enemies that we will face in life, it's ourselves. It's yourself. And I want to help you with this, and hopefully hopefully you can be set free from this. Stop wishing to be somebody else. Because you don't know the mess. You only if these walls could talk. Only if the walls can talk. Here you're wishing and wishing and wishing, and you're missing out on you. Because you're wishing to be someone else. Let me tell you something. I, I was a fan of wrestling when I was growing up as a kid. And in the late 90s, The Rock and, and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin were the stars. And I, and, and I always wanted to be in some shape or form built that way. But then I, I started watching documentaries how these men have to prepare themselves daily and eat certain foods and do certain exercise and, 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 and deprive themselves from some things of, in life just to get to where they want to get. Trust me. It's hard work. And it takes a lot of discipline. And when The Rock decided to share with the world what he eats daily, none of that was appetizing to me. I said, ugh. He said, oh my, so muscular is all he wants. I ain't doing, I ain't eating that. Is that even food? What is that? You, you see, now, we see the results, but we don't see What's behind the scenes? We don't see how hard it takes to get to the place of that individual that we're wishing to be. Not understanding and knowing that that individual is there because that individual decided to make a decision in their life and discipline themselves and condition themselves to get to that place that they're currently in. Now, if you're not willing to do that, stop wishing and start doing Are you hearing me, church? 
So the Apostle Paul reminds the church that if anyone thinks of themselves to be something, in all reality they're nothing because they're deceiving themselves. In other words, be careful who you follow. Be careful who you follow. Be careful. Because you could be headed down the same ditch that they're headed to. Instead, embrace the will of God for your life and say, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for what you have for me. Thank you for what you have called me to do. Thank you for everything that you're doing in my life. I am thankful. I am grateful. Thank you. Thank you for the husband. Thank you for the wife. Thank you for the house. Thank you for the car. Thank you for the job. Thank you for all these things. If you don't like the way your life is, okay, check what you're giving. Because at the end of the day, you're a sum total of you. No one knows you better than you. Are you hearing me, church? Are you hearing me, church? Amen? It's like when um, we're not used to having kids around us all the time. And when we do, I'm always uh, working my eyes. Like, you know, I have to make sure that my eyes are always on them so my eyes move faster than my body. You know what I'm saying? So that way I'm able to grab them before something happens or, you know, to prevent them from accidentally, you know, doing something. Amen? So when I have my goddaughter over, I'm like a day before preparing. Preparing. Pastor Millie said to me the other day, why are you sweating? I said, I'm working. Why are you working? Bella's coming over. She's like, who? I said, Bella. She's like, oh. Okay, let's hide this. Let's hide that. Let's do Now, if you're, if you're not ready to make adjustments in your life, then don't ask for nothing. That's the point that God is trying to make today. Learn how to make adjustments, but never think that you know it all, because in all reality, you don't know nothing. Because let me tell you something. If you have small little children, they will teach you as they grow. By the third child, you think you have it together, but the fourth one, it's like you give up. It's like the grandparents. You know, your parents didn't allow you to do anything, but now they have grandchildren. Now the grandchildren could climb up the chandelier. They could swing from one side to the other. That's okay, but when you did that, oh man. I said, wait a minute, what happened? I couldn't get dirty in my new clothes? And you're telling the grandbaby now, the grandma, this is okay, I'll take her, I'll take her to the store and buy my new clothes. You do that with me. <laughs> God is good. Give him a round of applause. So always keep this in mind that as you're growing, as you're expanding, as God is building you from the inside out, in the midst of that, you will be a blessing to someone else because you've been down that road. But if the Holy Spirit is with you, trust me, everything serves its purpose, even if it doesn't make sense at the moment. 
Go the extra mile. Don't fool yourself while you're going down the extra mile because as you're leading someone else, God is also leading you. Amen. So we must keep this in mind as believers that God loves a humble heart. But if you're a prideful individual, trust me, your worst enemy is you. And you will lead yourself to destruction if you don't check yourself before you wreck yourself. Amen? In the process of this, you will learn along the journey that the process will bring progress. And God will work with you accordingly or those around you. God will repair you and restore you. God will allow you to go through the process so that you can birth progress. God never, God always intended for us to be mature and free. That is God's ultimate plan. For you to grow, for you to mature, and for you to be set free. From who? From you. Amen. There are two there are two concepts which determine the victory and the fulfillness and the fruitfulness. I'm sorry, let, let me repeat that again. There are two concepts which determine victory and fruitfulness in a Christian's life. The first concept is maturity. The Apostle Paul wrote to Ephesians in chapter 4, we are to grow in all aspects into Him, meaning Christ. What are the aspects? The way you think, the way you talk, and the way you walk. These are areas that you should be examining daily in your life. If you're headed in the right direction, You have to learn that as an individual, you have to be repairing areas so that you can grow and become effective. So the Apostle Paul is telling the Ephesians, it is important that you consider this. Consider what? The way you think, the way you talk, and the way you walk. That is the report card of you. At one point in your life, you you had a reckless behavior. You talk ratchet. Ratchet? Is that a word? Ratchet? Okay. You were ratchet. You were ghetto. You were out of touch. You came to Christ and He began to clean you up and repair you in areas. Now, if you are considering that, then you must also evaluate the way you think. The way you talk and the way you walk. So if you're constantly thinking negative, that is an area that you have to surrender to God daily. The mind is the battlefield. It is in the mind where all wars begin. It is in the mind where all things come into existence. So if you are a child of God, you are to think like Christ. And if you're battling in that area, then surrender that area to God. Understand this, one piece at a time. In order for God to work in the way you walk and the way you talk, He has to first start with your mind. The way you think. Are you hearing me, church? So one of the things that we must give to God daily is our mind. Because if we don't give our mind, isn't it funny how we begin to entertain something and then we lose sight of that in the midst of it while we're entertaining it? How many of you watch movies? Am I the only one? 
Amen. Check this out. You're in the middle of the movie, right? And you're watching it. I don't know if this has happened to you, but it has happened to me. You lose sight of the movie. Now, I know many of you ain't going to raise your hand because you'll be like, Pastor, you're on your own. You're just getting old. No, I'm not getting old. No, I'm not. How many times you rewind that part? Amen. Amen. So I'm not the only one. And you rewind it because it didn't make no sense, right? You know, if you're Spanish, you always use that word. Perate, perate, perate. That means, wait, 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 wait. You go back, right? All right? If, if we're not careful, we can't rewind life. So when it comes down to life, we have to understand that our mind has to be in the right place at all times. So the way we think affects our progress. It affects our growth as individuals. So we cannot take our thinking lightly. And we cannot give our thinking just to anything. Because if we give our thinking just to anything, we're going to like just like anything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like... Most of the teenagers today, you see them on their phone. You think that they're watching something interesting in their phone. The way they're glued onto their phone. Next thing you know, you creep up from behind and you're like, what the heck are you watching? Oh, they're so funny. They're just coloring all over the place. A million views on that? And a hundred views on the Word of God? I challenge you today to go to YouTube and Google the most popular video. It has no importance about life in itself, and it's the most popular video. Why? Because wherever the mind goes, the body goes. That's why we can't make sense of the foolishness that's taking place in society today. It's like society is trying to discover who they really are. And they're, and they're going about it the wrong way, tattooing their face. How are you going to get a job with a tattoo in your face? I'm, I'm, I'm not being judgmental. But if I was the boss of a company, I will recommend that person to the circus park. Or an amusement place where the freaks are. I'm just being real. If I walked up here as your pastor and my hair was all over the place, and I was all over the place, how long do you think this is going to last? You'd be surprised the teenagers will stay. Look at Lee. They was like, oh, that, now you're talking my lane. They'll stay. They'll be like, oh, I love that pastor. <laughs> <laughs> but in all reality, we, we, we have to consider the way we think. Amen? We also have to consider the way we talk. Words have power. Words have power. If we go to Genesis chapter 1, it said, in the beginning... In the beginning, God spoke, and it became. 
So if we are his creation and he's the creator, don't you think we have the power that he has to a certain extent to bring things into existing by the way that we speak? Be careful what comes out of your mouth. Because what comes out of your mouth was birthed in your heart. And before it came to play, you thought about it before you said it. Be careful. Number three, the way you walk. Consider that. If you want to repair anything in life, you have to consider the way you're doing it. And it's the way that you walk, the way you you handle yourself, the way you carry yourself. That defines who you really are. So if I want to be respected, I have to give what? Respect back. So many Christians come to Christ, right? They renounce. They, 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 they give their lives to Christ. They confess and they come to Christ. And all of a sudden, they just assume that overnight everything's going to change. No, it's going to take some time. Because you have to build some kind of credibility with the people you used to smoke and drink with. You see, the problem is that we accept the Lord Jesus Christ and all automatic, we want everybody around us to change. That's not the case. That's not the case. Sometimes you have to step out, get yourself healed, be delivered, re-prepare, and then be sent back out there to bring others. That's a process. And that will take some time. So the way that we walk and the way we carry ourselves it's clearly, okay, an understanding of who you are from the eyes, from, from the eyes of outside versus your eyes. Amen. You can't go around saying, oh, I don't want people to judge me. I don't want people to criticize me. Every, everybody's out for me. Everybody's against me. Every, that's you. Not everybody's against you. And let me tell you something. You're not that important. You're not. I'm not that important. And, and sometimes we build this concept in life that People are not going to judge us based on the way that we walk, on the way that we talk, and on the way that we think. Yes, they will. And they will stereotype you as well. So if you want to earn anyone's respect, if you want to earn anyone's trust, then you got to learn how to sacrifice areas in your life that you once were a part of and you no longer desire to be a part of it because you want to improve and you want to become better at what you do. Amen. So that in itself, in a nutshell, it's an assignment that you got to allow God to help you through it. Amen. Because you're not going to accomplish that on your own. Amen. You have to be pulled. You have to be talked. You have to be confronted. Every time the apostle calls me to meet with him, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, Pake? For what? And he's got to reassure me that he's not going to pull my ear, even though he's going to. And I got to be ready. He reminds me sometimes of my mom. She said, I got to talk to you. Tengo que hablar contigo. And she will tell me that early in the morning before going to school. So that means all day I was dreading the conversation that was going to take place when I got back home. But let me tell you, that went a long way and it helped me become the man that I am. In other words, everything that you're currently going through is working out for your own good. You just don't know. She ain't calling you back because she ain't for you. He ain't calling you back because he ain't for you. So leave them alone. They didn't hire me for the job. That's not the job for you. Now, if you want the job, God will give you the job. And then three months later, you're going to be cussing in the job. Stay in your lane, man, for real. She didn't call me back. She didn't text me back. Good. 
Maybe God is saving you from the next Jezebel or the next Ahab. Who knows what God is delivering you from? Stop making life so complicated and understand that when God is for you, nothing can be against you. And what God has for you, no one can take from you, only yourself. Are you hearing me, church? So watch the way that you walk. If you want to be a person that walks in victory, you have to keep that concept that you are maturing. And a level of maturity, it, it, it is known and defined by the way you conduct yourself. This is a good way to test that. If someone walks into a room that did something to you years ago, and all of a sudden you feel some type of way, that person owns you. But if you can control it and enjoy it, that means you have overcome it. Amen? God is good. Give them a round of applause, church. God has given us everything we need to grow and mature in Christ. According to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Hashtag Holy Spirit. But your greatest enemy will be Satan that opposes all of the things that God has in store for you, including your development of maturity and growth. Satan will oppose that. Satan wants you to feel jet lag all the time. He wants you to feel distracted. He wants you to feel annoyed. He wants you to feel bothered. He wants you to feel that everything that you do and everywhere that you go, you're not welcome. When in reality, that is the blessing of God. You cannot determine that because you allow your emotions to take over you rather the facts. If I went based on my emotions this morning, I wouldn't be here. How many of you hugged that blanket this morning very tightly and said, ooh, church. In a couple of hours, santo, oh, close my eyes and let me rewind and let me go back to midnight. But, but the reality was you had to be here. And now that you're here, you feel good. Don't you feel cozy? Don't pastor make you feel cozy? God is good. So, so when we, when we understand that Satan is our enemy, we are able, okay, as individuals, as a church, know where it's coming from. It gives us the ability to define it and say, okay, now I know that I, who I'm dealing with. The, the devil's not your husband or your wife, your children, your boss. That's not the devil. Now, the devil uses people, but in reality, the devil's the devil and the human being is the human being. You have to rebuke the spirit or the source or the influence that's influenced that person to cause any harm or any disturbance your way. But in all reality, you got to know who your enemy is and your enemy is Satan and he's against you and he's going to fight you tooth and nail for you not to become the person that God has called you to be. And he will wrestle you with your thoughts. He will say to you, you're no good. You will never get there. Will you remember what you said yesterday? How you think the pastor feels about you? And in all reality, how I feel about you doesn't erase the matter how God feels about you. You should be worried more about God than me. Because the, the more you put, the more you, 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 you tend to build up the more you're going to drown. The more you're going to fall down. Amen? God is so good. So the second concept to become a successful Christian is freedom. 
The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made you, made us free, and do not be entangled again with the wakes or the yokes in some, in, in some translations of bondages. If Christ has set you free, it is your duty to remain free. In other words, what the Apostle Paul is saying, God has made a way for you. It's your responsibility to stay away from what you came out of. Stop hanging around with Pookie and Tookie in the block because you're going to end up smoking. You're going to end up drinking. You're going to end up fighting. You're going to end up shooting somebody or somebody shooting you. Whatever the case might be, you're going to find yourself in a predicament that you should have never found yourself had you listened to what God did for you and what God instructed you for you to do. Are you hearing me? So if God has set you free, embrace that, but don't find yourself in a compromising position where you are going to give in to the things that God set you free from. Are you hearing me, church? Part of being repaired is understanding, God, that, that Christ set you free. He set you free from what? From anger, from bitterness, from sadness, from, uh, from suicide, from drugs, from alcohol, from pornography, from homosexuality. He set you free from those things. Now stay out of those things. Stay away from those things, better said. Amen? Stop searching those things. Because some of you might not be there, but you might be searching them through your phone and your computer. Be careful. I want to hear music that reminds me of things that I did in the past. Because the more I listen to that, it's going to remind me of that. It's going to ignite something in me and I'm going to go back to the ways that I used to be. Amen. So we must take under consideration that we have to protect ourselves. Amen. We have to protect our mind gate. We have to protect our ear gate. We have to protect our mouth gate. All of these are gates, our eye gate, what we're watching, what we're seeing. If it's not beneficial, why are you watching it to begin with? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like some of you, you go on social media, you get upset when people post things or say certain things. If that bothers you, don't go on it. Log off for your own sanity. Amen? I always go back to that old saying, what I don't see, what I don't hear... It don't affect me. Now, if I look for it, I'm going to find it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Paul is saying, be careful. Don't take it for granted. If God set you free through Jesus Christ, appreciate that. Embrace that. Amen. That is the second concept. Amen. The Apostle Paul declares, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, stand firm and do not be subject again to the yokes of slavery. That is according to Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 in the New King James Version. In other words, what he's saying, stand firm and do not subject yourself to those things that you were under or you were controlled by in your past. So in other words, I'm not only going to embrace that God has set me free, I'm also going to put around me boundaries. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to I'm, I'm not I'm going to make sure that I keep myself delivered at all times. Amen. 
It is very important that you remember that. Now, the Apostle Paul goes on by saying, firm, to be what? What it means to be solid, to be unyielding, to be structure. Now, the subject to what? Concerning to your past, your emotions, and your old behavior. So, the Apostle Paul wants you to trade in your old behaviors and accept the new behaviors. And the new behaviors is for you to be solid, for you to be unyielding, and for you to be structured, rather than you be a, a slave or be in bondage to your emotions or your old behaviors. Now it's up to you. To you. And to me. To make that happen. God does the impossible. You do the possible. What is the possible? That you can submit. What is the impossible? That God can do things that you cannot do. In you. And many of you know that there's areas in our lives that we need to submit to God. Because if those areas were exposed, everyone around us will leave us. If they're not mature to understand what you're going through. So God is giving us time. In other words, Buying us time for us to get it together. Now, uh, verse 7, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. In other words, you are a subtotal of you. You're not mocking God. God knows what you're doing in your iPhone when you're parked in the parking lot and nobody's watching. Now, when I say that, most people say, oh, yeah, pastor, I don't watch pornography. I didn't say you were watching pornography, but you could be entertaining other things. Like you could be one of those player haters that looks at other pictures, other people's pictures on Facebook and goes, oh, only if he knew what he, who, he, who she married, who he married. Uh, two thumbs up, but I'm going to change my name. That way they don't trace me. So God sees all of that. All of that. Now, you could delete it all you want, but the devil will remind you of it. And if you have yet to repair areas in your life, you are a victim of yourself, no one else. So the scripture is saying that do not be deceived. In other words, do not think that God knows or keeps account of these things. The only way that God doesn't keep account of these things and he starts a new a clean slate is when you repent from them and you turn around. Meaning that you say, I'm done with it, I'm not going to do it back, and I know that through the Holy Spirit I'm going to overcome these areas in my life that I have placed myself in a vulnerable position that I know that God doesn't want me in to begin with. So it starts today, the work begins today with me. Now if God begins to work with you in a way that only God can work with you, do not assume or think that God's going to work with the people around you the same way he's working with you. Because you'll be surprised how many times you open up your mouth and you're coming against what God is doing, even though it doesn't make sense to you. And the problem why we have an issue with that is because it doesn't make sense to us. But what doesn't make sense to you makes sense to God. Amen? So leave it alone in God's hands. Amen? You are a sum total of you. Now, we close with this. Four ways how to repair. And I want you to write it down. Amen? If you want to re repair if you want god to make you whole if you want to be complete understand that process process produces progress in life 
So there are four ways that God can repair you and make you new and whole. Number one, this is only up to you. Determine the cost of it. Are you willing is the question. Are you willing? Because it's going to cost you something. We don't preach this prosperity gospel that, that if you say three words and you run around the altar and, 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 and you drink some grape juice and you go outside and roll around the grass and get run over by a car or whatever the case might be, you're going to be, no, 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 we don't preach all that nonsense here. What we're talking about is going to cost you something. What is it going to cost you? It's going to cost you your pride. That's what it's going to cost you. The first thing it's going to cost you, consider that. It's going to cost you your pride. What is your pride? Everything you're made of. The moment you think you got it all together is the moment when reality comes in. And let me tell you something. If you got kids, they will remind you that you ain't got it all together. Because I try to set rules in my house. And as soon as I break them, I got Inspector Gadget, my daughter. But dad, I thought, and you know when you, you know when you get confronted, by somebody that's under authority and you the authority, it gets you even more angry because you know they're right, but they ain't right in your eyes. But in reality, they're right. Amen? It's going to cost you something. Amen? Determine the cost of it. Number two, understand what you're working with. If you want God to repair you, you got to understand what you're working with. So uh, this is God looking at it from that point of view. God is looking at you. Let me let me see. I, I I need. You know, it's like when we take our car to the mechanic shop, we go in for an oil change, and they come out with a list of things. And they'd be like, "You need new spark plugs. You need." Blah, blah, blah. You're like, hey, the car, "No, the car was fine. The car was fine. I just came here for. I don't know because I was. Uh, I'm good." Because you know it's going to cost you something. But who's the one evaluating that car? Not you. Who's evaluating you? Not you, God. So you got to look at it from that point of view that you got to understand what you're working with. Now God knows best. God knows best. So let him have his way. Say, hey God, hey, examine me. Put me through the x-ray machine. Put me through whatever you need to put me through. But start working on me. I understand what I'm working with. Amen. Number three, address the issue. Once you get the diagnosis, once you know what they're going to be working with, now you need to address that. Like my wife always tells me, you're just like my dad. If it's not broken, you ain't trying to fix it. And if it's broken, you ain't trying to fix it either. I was complaining to her. How I, I had to put some parts in my car. She said, you've been having that car for 15 years. What do you think? They ain't going to last forever? Like, for real. You know, I, I'm the type of individual that I have a frying pan, and even though it doesn't have a handle, it's still a frying pan. Just grab a paño. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm old school, man. 
the toaster ain't working, that's okay. Go get the iron. We go, I saw some sandwiches here. Oh, oh, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'm the only one, right? Apostle, I'm the only one. Apostle say, I'm quiet. You, you on your own, brother. You on your own on that one. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm that type of individual, you know, the type of individual that I, I don't want to get up in the morning. There's a little bit of milk left and it's coffee. Everybody wants coffee. I'll put a little bit of water in there, some extra sugar. Pastor Millie be like, that coffee don't taste right. And I said, the coffee tastes right. Your taste buds ain't right. She had no idea. I stretched that little bit of milk. I stretched it. I make miracles. I put a little bit of sugar, put a little bit of water, shake it instead of praying. I was good to go. Y'all don't know nothing about that, y'all. And number four. Now, if you came here with your husband, please don't look at him or her. If you came here with your wife or your husband, please don't look at them after I say number four. Number four. I'll pass on your help with number four. Number four. Finish what you started. Don't look. Don't look. Don't. 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 Don't look, please. Wanna keep this PG thirteen. Peace of God in the number thirteen. Which is the perfect seven and six, right? We number six, God is seven. That's number thirteen. PG thirteen. Peace of God. Amen. Thirteen. Let's keep it PG. Finish what you started. The problem is with many of us that we invite God in. And halfway through the process, halfway through the journey, we give up. We want to pick up something else. We want to, no, you got to tackle this one project at a time. So if God is, if you ask God to help you work with your thinking, stick there. Stick there. Don't give God three or four things, even though he, it's possible that he can fill all three things, but you will lose sight. In the midst of it. So it's important that there's areas in your life that you got to give time, God time to uh, uh, repair those areas. Give them to him and give them time. And finish what you started. Finish what you started. I remember a few years ago, me and the apostle took on some work. And in the midst of it, I told the apostle, yeah, we're going to do this. And, and we started the project. And in the midst of the project that we were doing, I said, oh, I got to get this. He said, espera un momento. Wait a minute. Yeah, he's very famous for that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm famous for leaving the work halfway. I, I, I got him to start something, and then I wanted him to jump on something else. He said, espera un momento. Wait, we're going to finish this first before we jump on that. Because this is the liability that when you jump on something else prematurely, you can mix up what you were started over here, and it... it and before you know it, you create a mess. Like if you laying down some cement, you want to paint walls, be careful. You might grab the wrong bucket and start painting the walls with the cement. And say, I didn't order this shade of gray. Why is it bubbling? Why is it sticking? Why is it not? Well, what's going on? Oh, dip. Then we want to blame everybody. But we fail to realize 
that we as individuals have to understand that there's a law to life. And this is the law of life. And it's a very important law. Everything has its place. Everything has its place. So right now, if it's a season in your life where God is working with you in your mind, stay there. If God is working uh, on the way you, you talk or the way you express yourself, stay there. If God is working in, in an area in your life that I, I, I have not mentioned, stay in that area because God wants to prepare that area completely. Now, if you fail to heed to the voice of God, you will self-destruct. And the saddest thing is that you will be reminded of every single blinking light that God gave you along the way. I remember years ago, the light was blinking in the truck, blinking, 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 that I had no gas, that I was low on gas. And I just kept driving until the car stopped. The car stopped in the middle of the road. And then I got upset with everybody that kept beeping the horn and not understand. No, no, I put myself in that predicament. Had I stopped at the gas station? It cost me more to call someone to bring me gas than me pulling up to a gas station and filling it up with gas. Okay, so I'm going to get two gallons of gas by this company, which I'm not going to mention their name, at a turnaround rate of $60. $60 is two full tanks in two full weeks. Are you hearing me, church? So we're here today. What are we going to do? If God is for you, who could be against you? If God has called you, who has any other words to say other than God? Are you hearing me? Let us be on our feet if we're physically able. I want to give the honor and the privilege to my apostle to wrap it up up here. But I want to also encourage you to understand that all things are possible with God. All things. All things are possible. Do not be like if we could put that flyer on that wall, and I just want you to look at that flyer for a minute. If we could place that flyer on the wall, Chris, appreciate it. And I really want you to see this flyer, not the one that's currently there. I know the two people there look good. Amen? Really good. Amen? Ain't no, ain't, ain't no pastor you know that could rock a pink suit. That's what's up. Amen? Thank you, Chris. Amen? And, and, and look at this picture that's about to go on this wall. Before we close this series, I'm, I'm going to give it over to the Apostle, but I really want you to pay close attention to this flyer. Amen? Failure to repent will lead to destruction. Do we have it on the screen? Amen? Give us a few seconds. Thank you, Jesus. It looks much better, bigger here on this wall rather than on the screens. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Every eye towards this wall. Amen. Because we don't want you to leave this place without getting the true meaning. You see this? This is a man in a desert. Amen. And when God birthed this in my heart, I, I, I submitted it to Chris. And I said, Chris, I need a flyer of a man on his knees yelling in the middle of a desert. And, 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 and when Chris pitched me the first flyer, I said, no, not that one. He pitched his second one. I said, yes, that one. And God said to me, that's going to be me of us by the end of this year if we don't repent. 
we're going to be on our knees yelling. Regretting that we had the opportunity to turn around. So many of you are taking your calling very lightly. You're being foolish in the actions that you're taking. And God is saying, let that not be you. Let that not be you. And I leave you with that. I want you to lift. Y quiero pararme en el versículo 7. And I want to stop at verse 7. Del libro de Galatas. From the book of Galatians. Porque cuando leemos, casi siempre nos enfocamos en la última parte de ese texto. Because when we read it, we usually focus on the last. La última parte. The last part of that verse. Pero no, le, no nos enfocamos en la primera parte. But we don't focus on the first part. Y la primera parte dice esto. No os engañéis. Do not deceive. Dice, Dios no puede ser burlado. God cannot be mocked. Yo, yo estaba compartiendo con, con un ministro hace unos días atrás. A couple days ago, I was sharing with a minister. Y vino de otro lugar de Pensilvania y me llamó. And he came from Pennsylvania and he called me. Y estuvimos hablando. And we were talking. Y él me hizo una pregunta clave. And he, and he asked me a key question. Él me preguntó, apóstol. He asked, apostle. ¿Cuál es la diferencia? What is the difference? Entre la gente de otros países. With people of different countries. Y la gente de nuestro país. And the people of our country. ¿Por qué Dios es diferente en otros países? Why is God different in other countries? Y es diferente en nuestro país. And he's different in our country. Y él me dijo, yo quiero que usted me, me conteste esto. And he said, I want you to answer me this question. Y yo le dije esto. And I said this. Dios es el mismo allá y acá. God is the same over there as he is here. El problema que tenemos acá. The problem that we have here. Es la comodidad que tenemos. Is the comfort that we have. Yo estuve en Perú. Yo estuve en Perú. I was in Peru. Y la gente para llegar a escuchar un sermón. And the people to hear a sermon. Caminaron ocho horas. They walked eight hours. Diez horas. Ten hours. Doce horas. Twelve hours. Yo le dije a él esto. And I said this to him. The problem that we have in this time, during this timing, is that we think that we fool God. And Galatians says God cannot be mocked. You mock yourself or you make fun of yourself. Because you don't want any change. So what is the difference within these countries that don't have the, the, the comfortness that we do? I'm going to say they're willing to die to their egos, to die to their um, pride, to die to everything that they have for a miracle of God. 
My question is this. Are you willing to die to yourself today for a miracle of God?